Welcome back to The Leaders We Need. I'm Joel Harder. Today on the podcast, I'm really excited for the conversation that you're going to get to listen to between myself and Ms. Tanasha Woods. I've often said that the policymaking community is just that. It's a community. So often it's the elected leaders, the government officials that consume our attention They capture our focus. We direct all of our thoughts and efforts, both our frustrations as well as all of our energy behind support towards these elected leaders. But in truth, there is a whole apparatus that surrounds leaders in order for them to do their job well. And particularly in the realm of policymaking, there is a policy community. Capital Culture, we talk about the capital community, and we are working with elected leaders, yes, but also the various policy experts that are in that place, giving advice, information, research, guidance to the policymaking process. But importantly, there is a whole staff from legal staff to communications staff, research, everyone that actually makes the legislative process work and go as it should. There is a very vital role serving in offices across that capital in each of the various legislators' uh, outer office. You will find legislative staff. And Tanasha Woods is the first member of that part of the policymaking community to join me on the leaders we need. Now, Tanasha graduated from the University of Central Oklahoma. She is an Oklahoma City native, and her professional experience is varied and rich. She was a professor at the University of Central Oklahoma, teaching poli-sci, also taught criminal justice at Mid-America Christian University. She has a background in human resources and currently now serves as the chief of operations in the Oklahoma Senate office of Senator Dr. George. Young, who happens to be my senator. You will listen to her experience, her story, and her perspective on this very important role of legislative staff that really make the policymaking process move forward. Capital culture has enabled a different and a new atmosphere in state politics. This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Well, Tanasha, thank you so much for taking time to join us on The Leaders We Need. How are you today? I am fabulous in this cold, wintry kind of mix here in Oklahoma, but it's a wonderful day. <laughs> thank you it's, for it's that It's that time of year when you've got your heater going in the morning and then you turn your air conditioner on by around okay. two. But not, not today. Not today. It is pretty cold today. Oh. Now, also at the time we're recording this, when the legislative session kind of comes to an end, things get a little quieter mm-hmm. uh, for you in the Capitol each and every day. But I also know things are about to ramp back up. There's a special session yes. that's going to convene here in a few weeks. So I, I know you things are going to get a little more busy for yes. you. So 
maybe we can talk a little bit about that too, the difference between in session and out of session. But before we do any of that, the question I always ask at the very beginning of everyone who comes on Mm -hmm. the leaders we need is to simply go back into your history a little bit and reflect on some of the experiences that really shaped who you are today, maybe some significant people, mentors, people in your life, maybe at the time, it didn't register the role they would play, but in retrospect, really have made an impact. Who are some of those for you? So my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, for me, looking back, I am born and raised Oklahoma. Let's just start there. And my formidable years have been, were here all the way back to middle school. I had a teacher by the name of Alma Washington. And she was not just a teacher. She was also studying at the time to become an attorney. I did not know, to your question when you said didn't realize, I did not know how much of an impact that she was having on me during that time. As I continued to grow, graduate from Millwood and do all of that, of course, there's so many teachers I could give homage to um, as to helping me develop as a young girl, woman, all of that. But uh, I went to the University of Central Oklahoma and I went thinking I was going to major in, well, I did. I chose an accounting major (laughs) Mm. and I actually enjoyed it, right? But once I got into it, I didn't, I was that typical student, that that kind that, you know, lost focus a little bit. So I chose a different major and I ended up choosing political science. And oftentimes people are asking me, what do you mean political science? Isn't that a hard uh, subject matter? And for me, it just comes natural. My life was shaped a little bit from that point. I've always been interested in the political atmosphere, uh, social justice. That's just been my, what has carried me. You know, when I get, you know, when you get that one feeling that, oh, I could do this all the time, or you just find yourself in the middle of it. I'm, I am a... Uh, humanitarian. I, that's what I do. So those things, uh, help me to get to where I am today in the early years. Uh, Hmm. Alma Washington actually helped talk to me a little bit more about, you know, I anticipated going to law school back then. She, she just, she was a little bit more of a mentor after a while when I realized this woman really means something to me. She's smart, you know, and I could go back to her. And that's one of the things, uh, with Millwood, that I appreciated. I could go back to my teachers and they would help me up with open arms, you know, uh, get me through those hard days. So that's, that's what helped me. Um, Joel, in those early years, I, I had some really good people around me and Millwood was a really good place to help me grow as a person. And then of course, going from Millwood to university of central Oklahoma was a different cultural setting. But I, I found myself enjoying the ability to get in there and do some things. I was a part of uh, UCOSA. I also participated in intercollegiate legislature, um, Oklahoma intercollegiate legislature. So I have many of experiences, many of my, I got to know my uh, professors, which they still know me today. I still have relationships with them. So those things help me to say, this is where I am. This is the life that I'm supposed to live. And I, I'm comfortable and uncomfortable in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
and I'm curious to actually talk a little bit about that time in doing poli sci and being in that major in that setting because th- there's some similarities. I originally went to college to be a music major. Okay. I uh, am an immensely better musician because of my time, mm-hmm. uh, but I definitely was weeded out of the program oh, and uh, and did not have what it takes. But then I, I, I found myself in poli sci and that was my major interest and mm-hmm. natural kind of just the way my, my brain works. I, it, I found a good home in that, in that major, but I didn't get that involved with the actual mm-hmm. department or, you know, I heard you talk about doing intercollegiate mm-hmm. legislature. Mm-hmm. How involved were you in what the poli sci department and that degree can bring you into? Were you really involved and how, how did being involved, I guess, give you a, a vision for politics and beyond college as a career? Because so, I missed out on that for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened, you know, one of the things I have to really give credit to the uh, administrators and professors in the political science department at University of Central Oklahoma, because mm. they embrace you. You know, if you spend time in there, you can't help but get to know them and they get to know you. And, and they encourage you to get involved in different things. So I had a few... Um, professors who, of course, were like the uh, administrators or counselors, if you will, that were over the students who participated in OIL. So if you're going to participate in OIL, you you were going to be a part of the university's uh, student government. And mm-hmm. how it shaped me is because, listen, I wanted to be a part. I wanted to go in and find out what actually occurred in our government. And when we were able to make changes on our campus from parking, we fought for parking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, one, that's one of those issues at universities that everybody has. But when we were able to actually see change being made, people hearing us, it gave me a spark, you know. And I was also, again, continuing to be encouraged by those professors who were truly involved with us. And so when I actually got into OIL, the part that everybody remembers the most is when we took over the Capitol. So Mm -hmm. all of us as students, there was a particular hotel we were housed in, and then we would be bused down, (laughs) or some people would drive it. All of us were together, and we would go down to the Capitol and actually act as the legislature. That part is very impactful. Uh, it's yeah. an influencer. You know, you're either going to get it at that time, or if you're not feeling it, you won't get it. So we got to sit in the seats of the... First, I was in the House. So I participated in the House and the Senate, and then I also competed. Uh, there, There's a competition for you to compete in moot court. I was second mm-hmm. place, unfortunately. However, <laughs> I still... It was an amazing <laughs> experience for me. Like I said, I, I was considering law school heavily at the time. And so that impacted me. Um, with that, you know, you said you missed it. And I, I hate that for you because you yeah. form different types of uh, friendships among students who have share your same values and ideologies. You also learn people who... The partisanship. You already you learn it as college students. You understand where people lean and different things like that. Interestingly enough, me working at the Capitol now, I've met a person who actually ran for office, was elected, and they were in school with me in an OIL. I have pictures. Oh. 
to prove it. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it that that part like you asked it it shaped me because I was able to see change on campus. I was able to go to the Capitol and act as a representative and a senator and we learned the the rules if you will and understanding what it means to debate and uh, have fun at it at the same time so it took a toll on how i looked at what we actually do when we elect people to re mm -hmm. represent us in the at this particular level and how they truly impact our lives daily so yeah i'm already hearing probably a little bit of the answer to the next question mm -hmm. in some of that experience and how it sparked the interest for you and mm -hmm. what you would want to do. But you also have a very rich professional background and experience. Mm -hmm. you've, you've been involved in your career as mm -hmm. teaching at the collegiate level. And how did the desire to work in the state capitol as you are now really first take shape? So... I have to give credit to one former legislator, Mike Shelton. <laughs> uh, he actually helped me to see that this would be beneficial for not just mm. me, but the students I was teaching at the time. I was teaching at UCO, so I had I was I moved from Atlanta back here um, in 2013. And for that first year, I was teaching at UCO, and the courses were all during the day that I taught. But it was all political science and a couple of incoming freshman types of courses. They call them first-year experience. All the while, I am a very interactive teacher, and I love to expose students to things that make them think and ponder, right? Mm -hmm. That's the job of a professor anyway. And so when Mike's talked about um, possibly working in this particular arena, I thought, what better way for me to be a greater teacher to these students, right. but by yeah. bringing the actual experience to them from this capital. So my entrance into this state legislature was quite interesting, and I, I felt welcomed, let me say that. I knew mm -hmm. I was a wanted um, professional. Now, coming in and learning the the culture of the building was different within itself, but I understood greatly the work that needed to be done because of my previous professional experience. I didn't come mm -hmm. in green. I understood the level of interest that needed to be held within that particular person's office. And the community in which this particular legislator served, I was definitely interested in that community as um, that's the community that I grew up in. And mm -hmm. so the issues that were going on in that community, I definitely was, I was there. And so research and writing and talking to the com the community about things, it just, it was a, it came natural to me. So yeah, that's how I got in it, Joel. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about this role specifically as, as staff in the Capitol. You're the first guest on The Leaders We Need. Woo! serving in that unique role of legislative staff in the state capitol. Mm -hmm. uh, elected leaders often consume our focus when we are thinking about state politics or uh, or in the state senate in particular, but one of my favorite leadership writers talks about the, one of the myths of leadership mm -hmm. is just thinking it's all it's all the leaders, right? just that person. Mm -hmm. it, it it's this myth of 
all leadership and the consequences of leadership are simply located in that person, both their skill, competency, character, everything. And it overlooks that there is this apparatus that surrounds the leader. And in capital culture, we talk a lot about the policy making arena and the capital community, Mm -hmm. which certainly includes elected representatives and senators, Mm -hmm. the elected officials themselves. It includes, yes, I hate to say it, lobbyists. It includes, I have great relationships with a lot of the lobbyists here. And and so it gives me good fodder for when I'm talking to people. I can always say say something about the lobbyists. But they're knowledge experts in different industries and issues and areas. They're part of that process. Mm -hmm. And staff serves a key part of being in the policy making process. So mm-hmm. like any job, let's I guess let's start with a real quick easy answer. Like any job, there are several duties, responsibilities. Give us just a quick rundown of a day in the life of legislative staff. Well, uh you almost went into it earlier. There's a couple of parts to this. So in ses- during session, a day in the life mm-hmm. of me. <laughs> You definitely have to be ready and ready to go early before session begins. You have bills that need to be uh, in the House side. We actually had to print our bills, but on the Senate side, they're provided to us. But even though that is seems like it's a step taken out, those bills are provided to us and you have to make sure that things are in order for for your senator. Mm -hmm. At least that's the way I do mine. And so that takes time. Right. Making sure that everything that's on the agenda is made available to your member. Making sure that you've got whatever phone messages that came through the night. If there's people visiting, which we know during session, people visit often, whether they're lobbyists or just um, citizens advocating for whatever issue, there's a lot of interruptions. And this is a whole day in a life now, okay? Yeah, <laughs> so this yeah. could be one particular day. And you you could be writing, of course, response letters, letters of recommendation for different organizations that's asked of the senator. And then the senator, the, your member, I like to say that because that goes both ways from all of the House and the Senate. Um, but if your right. member like is like mine, they'll be on the floor and they'll send you notes up and say, compose this letter. So you're reading shorthand, you're typing, (laughs) you're doing some of everything, even from down to the point of if they want, if they're a coffee drinker, making sure that they have coffee. I love the word servant leadership because that is absolutely the area, what people should look as encapsulated within legislative culture, because we're all serving Mm -hmm. They're serving the community, we're serving the community, and we're also serving our member. So I just wanted to put that tidbit in there. Okay, yeah. so by the time the end of the day, all the things that I've just said, it may seem like, oh, that's that's quick and simple, but it's not. Um, but the day goes really fast. So before yeah. we know it, it's already, once they've adjourned for the day, it's already looking like it's time for you to go. But for me, I, I don't leave until I have everything at a good stopping point. And our day is really 8.30 to 4.30, and we could be in there till 6 and 7 sometimes. So it's yeah. um, a great amount of intentionality for a person who works in these offices to have a method by which they follow on a daily 
And it's hard to say because the only thing that's regular with all of our offices is making sure that we have um, the bills for the member Mm -hmm. and the agenda. Those two things are regular. And that yeah. you would think, oh, that's all, but that's not all because some, right. you know, okay, so that's that's during session part, but when we're out of session, during what we call the interim, of course, you said earlier it gets quiet, but there's still work to be done. The phone still does not stop ringing, and that's when you get so many calls about different things that's going on nationally, mm-hmm. uh, having to educate people on the difference between your state legislature and your congressional legislature, right? So um, our jobs encompass so many attributes of understanding the particulars in the political realm. So you have to be ready to explain that to people as well. And then making those contacts for them too, because sometimes you have to let them know that this isn't something that we can handle on the state side. However, I will put you together with your congressperson. What you're kind of describing and is this concept of when you're working with a constituent, mm-hmm. uh, a citizen mm-hmm. uh, that lives in the district that you work for, that person, senator, they're calling you, mm-hmm. they're reaching out for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And you are that voice, yes. uh, you are that face mm-hmm. of government that can help them. And maybe, as you can you can say, there's an, an education component to it understanding what is actually within the realm of the senator's office and role to, to help and where something goes to a different a different aspect of government, but you're still that person that they're talking exactly. to. And so you're uh, just answering the phone and taking, taking the call and giving them an answer isn't necessarily where it stops. And I've seen that a lot with legislative staff in the Capitol, that the take it to step two and three and four and really do that extra mile of helping people get to uh, at least someone else who could help them with whatever their need is. They're calling you because they've got a need. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. I have to yeah. tell you, Joel, that during uh, the pandemic with all of the uh, mm-hmm. unemployment issues, that was a real time of if it was going to test your ability, then it really did. Um, our phones rang yeah. all the time, every every district. And we came. We had to come up with a way to actually communicate with OESC because we were receiving so many calls. And I'm so appreciative of that ability because they'll call us and I have to let them know that I'm not the one that pushes the button. You know, I wish I were, right? right? But as long as you're honest and let them know what the process is, telling a person, please, if you haven't heard something in 72 hours, call me back, that makes them feel like, you're really helping me to, yeah. to, to get done what I need to get done. And even if they would get their check, if something happened and they didn't get it, oh, they would call you back. And that's because they feel comfortable yeah. and they know that you handle it, right? And that's with several other situations um, in the community. I didn't know that people called about electric bills to the legislator until I started working here. I had no idea. Wow. So it's you. You're taught some things yourself as a as a citizen, right? I didn't yeah. even know that we help people do these things, but we do. We help in a, so many different ways, and it's important that the people who call understand what you just said. We are that voice, and although the office that I currently work in with Senator Young, he gives everyone his cell phone number is on his card. Okay, so he's mm-hmm. an available elected official. 
if you don't want to hear him say, call Tanasha, you know, then call Tanasha first. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times he's going to want, I'm able to give him everything that the person is seeking. And then we come together. He tells me which way he wants me to go on it. Or I sometimes I tell him this is the better route to go because we've done this before and I know exactly what to do to help this individual. So I always like to let people know that even though it's the elected official in that place, we work as a team more than anything else. And it's important that we all understand that that's what it's about. And that's what you should receive, actually, to me. (laughs) Let me be clear. When you call our offices, is someone willing to assist? We've already kind of just run into the next question that I had mm-hmm. because clearly there's a job description and duties, responsibilities. That's all on paper. We've already kind of now gone way beyond that sure. to hear about what goes into this role. So I want to kind of ask you the, this question a little bit differently, okay. which is what makes and I will go ahead and say, you know, cards on the table in my role, I get to see you and legislative staff across the Capitol work. And I I have have very high opinion and I've well-formed thoughts about the role that Mm -hmm. staff plays in this whole arena and process. Um, But I would love to hear from your perspective, Mm -hmm. what is it that really makes serving in that role work? So think beyond just the role of being the legislative staff what are the qualities that come into serving in that position that just really makes, makes it all work? I have to tell you that this, I love this question. Thank you. Uh, What makes it work for me is I said it a little bit when I first talked about Shelton. Uh, I truly believe in serving the community. Right. And I believe in, Mm -hmm. and I understand the needs of the community of which my members that I've had the opportunity to work with, they serve. So over time, I've worked not just with um, the member that I have currently, but I've had, in the House, you had an opportunity to work with two of the different representatives and sometimes three and four. So I've served different um, districts. None of them took precedent or priority over one or the other because they're all still the Mm -hmm. people. What makes it work for me is having a wonderful relationship with that elected official. If you Mm -hmm. don't have a good working relationship with the elected official, I just can't quite imagine how you could get the work done, truly. Because sometimes you have to sit them down because they're moving so fast, right? They're going from one committee meeting to the next and they have all of these invitations where people want them to speak and this and that. You've got to get to know that member to understand even what type of mail makes sense to them, right? Stuff Mm -hmm. that they want you just to go ahead and answer. You've got to be observant. You have to have a sense of loyalty. You've got to be trustworthy. And they too, you know, and all of those things to me uh, contribute to an amazing relationship between the staff person and that elected official. Um, lucky for me, I've had people who were willing to work with me. So in the Senate, I am, and all of us are considered executive assistants. And my member just works with me. I, I renamed myself to chief of operations because one day I was uh-huh. thinking, I don't just manage this office. I run this office. I Every piece yeah. of the operational parts, making sure everything is in here, 
I do it. So let's just make, you know, call it what it is. But it, at any rate, yeah. I, I'm describing a relationship. This person it respects me and I respect them, right? And so in order for that office to truly give what it needs to the people, you you get it when those two people are operating properly. And I'm, I'm talking about understanding. I know that I do so much for my member. He doesn't even think about it. He just knows that I'm going to get it done. Um, if mm-hmm. if an elected official, this is, and I'm so glad I'm talking about this at this moment. Some elected officials come into the office and don't even realize what it takes to manage others. Um, what it, they've never led. Um, so they come in and they don't even know what to do. And some, you know, quite frankly, Joel, some people have once they're elected, they have you know a little bit of a a pride, you know, they get a little bit of a big head a little bit, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And it's not about that. It's if they also understand that this person wants to make sure that they have everything they need in their office. There's no better way to operate. And that's that's what I have to give you on that. I mean, I yeah. the, the, the contribution is being a good person and understanding that we're here to serve the people and not to serve ourselves a little bit of ourselves because we too are citizens, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, and you understand the volume of work yes. and requests and responses and yes. things are coming in and out. And I'll just look at the comment you made from this perspective too, that having that relationship with the member that you're working with and for you really being the consummate professional that can do that well, to be in that role to to work with the member well. When someone's elected to office, there is somewhat this pressure that's also put on them. Sure. Well, you're the elected leader, so now you just must know everything sure. about leading yeah. and being a leadership. Yeah. And becoming a, a great leader is a continual process. Yes. And there's always lessons in leadership and leadership development along the way. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit of another myth to say, well, just because they're the elected leader, then they just they know everything about leading. And you can come in in this role and actually help them to lead well. That's the essential um, part. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes when the elected comes in, they don't have a person that's already in the office. And I say unfortunately because mm-hmm. having that knowledge already in your office that have served your particular district is amazing. But if you bring a person in... Yeah that you would like to, that you already have a formulated a relationship with professionally and you understand that they know how to write properly they're not going to talk crazy to your constituents you know those types of things that person needs a little bit of grace as well with learning how to even operate within this this culture uh of the legislature so you you benefit when you come in with a person that's already there there's kind of another line of questions I, I really want to get to okay. and get your perspective on. Um, but before I do, just what are some high points in your time in the state capitol? Are there some specific things that you reflect upon? Uh, maybe a win? Maybe it was a particular issue that you worked on with a constituent or with or maybe a policy? What are some things mm-hmm. that keep you inspired in the role? Do I I'm a policy yeah. major and I really like it. <laughs> so all of yeah. it inspires me. But um, so since I've been here, I've had the opportunity 
to increase my value as a, a professional, number one. And for me, that means greatness um, because we don't take on employment at different places just to stay stagnant, right? right? And so high points for me, I work in Senator Young's office who once chaired um, the Black mm -hmm. Caucus. And those duties are additional duties. Interesting, interesting parts of those duties. You get to know lobbyists, different lobbyists for different reasons. You also get to see presentations from different people, organizations that come in and want to present to this uh, to the caucus for whatever reason. They're seeking out their support, whatever it is. That's a highlight for me, okay? Because I get to talk to so many different individuals and understand their organizations and build a rapport, not just, they don't have the rapport just with the elected, but with me as well. Um, that's a high point for me. One of the greatest points since I've been in this Capitol, though, is when the teacher mm -hmm. did their walkout, the teachers. You know, <laughs> to go into a building, and I was just reminded with some pictures that came up the other day of how packed it was in that building. Which seems seems like another another lifetime ago now that we've had COVID and, and nobody's does. been in. Yeah, right. Exactly. And during the time I had a couple of amazing interns highlight for me. I love working mm -hmm. with interns. They teach me and I teach them. Um, we, at that time, during the teacher walkout, there wasn't very much um, concentration on social media for the caucus and we started a page and it was amazing. Um, so I was able to help them to go out and feel comfortable talking to elected officials and we were able to get some mm -hmm. content, you know? Uh, that was a truly amazing time down to the fact that you're walking in and there's so many people that you don't even know if you can get into your job <laughs> to, uh, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And to something somebody probably wouldn't even mention, but the, the restrooms overcrowded. You never see this type of thing in the Capitol, you know, so all of those things are an impact on me. Another in impacting thing for me is, like I said, I've, I've been able to increase my value. I have been able to, I am currently the president of a national organization that's under NBCSL. And I don't know that other staff have even thought about taking the opportunity to join different uh, organizations. Mm -hmm. The stuff you see that comes through on your desk. I was in an inaugural class of SAGE, which is of Southern Legislative mm -hmm. Conference. Opportunity over opportunity. What does that do for me and my member and my yeah. constituents base? Makes me a better working yeah. individual. I understand more. So all of these are highlights. There's not, I, I even told um, Shelton one time before that I appreciate him opening the door because I didn't know what I was gonna get. So truly, when we think we plan our lives, we have actually no idea. And to mention all of these things as highlights, I'm really telling you just going there every day. It's not me being in awe of the building, none of that. It's the yeah. work with the people and the opportunity to to really serve the way that I believe God put me here to yeah, serve. That's, that's wonderful. And, and I'll just, quickly say we had Senator Young on the leaders we need not too long ago and he he talked a, a little bit about 
the Legislative Black Caucus and some of the things they did. And so we'll just listeners can go back and listen to that episode and know that now you're hearing the rest of the story, as a great radio voice had once said before, Tanasha's work in helping to actually move that kind of uh, progress forward in the work of the Legislative Black Caucus. So go check out that episode. Okay, in in the minutes we have remaining, I want to be uh, respectful of your time. An important part of our work at Capital Culture is to mm-hmm. engage and help everyday people from all walks of life, people that don't necessarily think about politics, aren't politically minded. They're just they're they're living their life. They're going to work. They're raising a family. But we all can sense the incivility that script our politics, the uh, how mm-hmm. hostile uh, the tone becomes. I, I often will. Mm-hmm think of someone and talk to people that they're just afraid that it can go sideways how, how quickly it can and so they just don't don't want to get involved and what we do with uh, capital culture is to equip and engage and inform and help people understand and know and think better about how to actually not do that when someone is reaching out to their elected leader you're off in the front line right you, you're the first person they're going to get right. you've seen the, the good and the bad, yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what advice would you have for someone who is listening to this, wanting to get involved? Are there some better ways that you would advise, ways that you've seen that it works well to do that and break through some of that toxic tone that we feel all around us? Well, the best thing to do is to actually take some risk and go ahead and do it. I've received phone calls from people yeah, who have absolutely. told me that they were so afraid and they didn't know what to say. And that's where I come in again, making you feel comfortable on the other end of that phone. Um, Some people like to email, email, because you get a response. And I'm so, when I get a response from that person saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe I got a response. We sometimes respond via email and sometimes I just, I'll send out a letter because it's the interaction that they receive so when you say, is there a better way? Honestly, Joel, it's that first getting over. I, I want to yeah. do it. So let me let me take my first step forward. And this way I will I will get engaged. Even visiting the, the Capitol. Some people haven't come and walked the, the halls. They don't know what the rotunda looks like. They don't know what is, is throughout the building. Just coming and getting over the initial, you know, what I say is shock and awe earlier. There's a lot of people who are in awe of the building. But understand, I always tell would tell my students, listen, would you vote for your colleagues sitting to your left or your right? Because we are voting for our colleagues. We are voting for our neighbors, right? We put these people into these seats. It could very well be you. And so you don't turn into a superhuman because you become elected. You're yeah. still that person respecting, of course, the seat and that person in that role, but they still are someone that you can come and talk to. So the best advice I ever give Mm -hmm. is just to go ahead and take that step. You don't even have to tell your friends that you did it. Once you do it, it comes natural to you. And then I hope that when you call, that you reach a person like myself who is willing to talk to you and talk you through whatever it is. Sometimes people call it's not even about my district. They call the email. It's nothing about my district. And if I can help you, I'm going to help you regardless. But I'm definitely going to help you get to the person that you need to to go to. 
That's, so. That is such a great, I'm so glad you said that. It's such a great word uh, of advice because, and that's another great example of, of your role in this policymaking uh, arena. Reach out to staff first. And that's part of what you do yeah. is you help them to know how to, Oftentimes, they don't even they don't quite even sure what they're asking, and you can help them to be much more exactly. uh, equipped and prepared to really get at what they what they want to get at. Well, I, I kind of have one final question for you to close this time, but mm-hmm. I'm so glad that y- you are the person I get to ask this to because, as you've already told us in your story and your experience in this role, you've really maximized it. You've taken every opportunity. You've invested yourself in the different kinds of associations and and leadership experiences, the larger, broader organizations that are out there that you can be part of. Some are that listen to the leaders we need are very interested in one day being involved in the political process, running for office themselves. And I know are hearing this conversation are thinking that would be something I would be interested in doing one day is is working in the state capitol, either in the House or the Senate, serving a member doing what I'm hearing Tanasha talk about she does. What questions should that person ask themselves as they're thinking about pursuing that one day? What are the questions they should ask themselves? They should first ask themselves, is this, are they a people Mm -hmm. person? What type of, you know, am I introvert, extrovert? Those are important. And that's not, (laughs) that's not something that people look at a lot. But you've got to recognize how your interpersonal skills will match this particular position because you will be, again, interrupted with so many different people. Also, ask yourself, if you are actually applying for a position within a particular district for a particular member, you must ask yourself, do they align? Does the ideology align with you? And if it does not, Will you go in that office and give it your 100% because that is what it's about? Will you be able to be loyal to this individual? That's one of the greatest things about this particular position that I hold. So ask yourself those things. But I do want to say, Joel, staff encompasses our policy Mm -hmm. analysts, our staff attorneys. We have so many from mail clerk to every, there's so many working parts that include staff in the state's capital, even human resources. The whole point of it is that we need and want people that want to be connected to this work, to engage more, to understand the legislature. And also, ultimately, for me, I would hope that it's helping to help them to point people in direction of why they should vote. (laughs) <laughs> why they should become more, you know, use their voice and let them know that it is something that is helpful to us out here. So I just gave you a whole lot of questions and answers to that. No, that's that great. Particular one. That's great. Well, and I, I got a vamp off of what you just said, because it's, it's part of what I often talk about since you're mm-hmm. you're on that front line. You're one of the first persons that somebody would engage or talk to if they were to reach out. But mm-hmm. We often think about making your voice heard, and that that mm-hmm. is a great line that is often attached to running into an election, getting ready for an election, go out and vote, go out and vote, make your voice heard, and that's 100% true. But I love to remind people, you also get to make your voice heard 
two weeks after the election. You can you can engage right. with with your leaders. You can engage with staff. You can be That's involved right. in your voice. Make it count. Make it matter. Make it heard. And that doesn't just end at the ballot box. It doesn't just end then. And and I think that you would be an excellent person if if I'm going to make my voice heard. Uh, I hope that you're on the other end of the line when I call. And incidentally, you are because I'm in your district. So Senator Young is my senator. So I, and I will I will tell you as I tell him I'm greatly represented. In, in the state Senate. So I appreciate you, Tanasha, so much for your time. Thank you for your work for, for me and my district, but for our state. And thank you for the wisdom and experience you've shared you. with us today on the leaders we need. I appreciate you so much, Joel. This has been amazing. And uh, I just thank, thank yeah. you for the opportunity because to want to hear from the staff means means a lot. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.